0: The scripture reads in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, <clears throat> Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Scripture wasn't a charge to an individual. This scripture is a charge to a community. It was charged to the entire nation of Israel that this is how I want you to raise your children. This is what God says. This is how I want you to raise your children. But we don't get a whole lot of time to raise them. You can see up here our families, where our families will be standing, that we have containers on all of these stands and each one of these containers is filled with marbles and each marble represents one week of that child's life until they turn 18 years old. When they turn 18 years old, the parent will take the last marble out of the jar and it'll be empty. On the day that these children were born on these babies when they were born, there were 936 marbles in this container, 936. That means moms and dads had 936 weeks to potty train their kids, which it seems like sometimes it takes 936 weeks. You had 936 weeks to teach them how to put on their clothes, pick up their own toys, do their own homework, drive their car, cry because they broke up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and graduate from high school. And you had 936 weeks to teach them about Jesus so your precious bundle of joy could get to the point where they would trust Jesus as their Savior and he would be the Lord of their life. So each family is going to get to take their container home with them when they leave today. We as a congregation are giving them these containers as a gift along with a copy of the New Testament, a copy of God's Word, which is his revelation of himself to us, His Word will be a lamp unto all of our feet, a light unto all of our paths until we grow and pass from this life. In these words, we find grace and mercy and salvation. We find comfort and strength. In these words, we find a picture of a God who loves His children and expects us to follow the leader in loving our children the way He has loved us. Psalm 119 reads, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. This is a solemn moment. It doesn't confer salvation or anything. We don't do baby baptism things here. But this is a moment that we're coming together as a community to devote ourselves to the rearing of these children to be godly men and women. It's what we're here to do. So let's meet our families. And the first one is already talking to us. This is Layson James Wilson. His mom and dad is Jamie and Holly Wilson. If y'all come stand. No, no, I, I really don't think so. There we go. Next is Abigail Madeline Davis. She's the daughter of Matthew and Lisa Davis. She is the sister of Addison and Aiden. Next is Kinsley Hope Souls, the daughter of Casey and Justice Souls. Next is Dylan Delight Perry. It's the daughter of David and Michael Perry, the sister of Rhett and Cooper. And last, we have Tuttle Wright Barksdale IV, the son of Wright and Katie Barksdale. We have our children up here, youngest to oldest. If you look on this side, you can't see it real good right now. You'll be able to see once they sit down. But on this end, the jar is almost full. But when you get down here to Tut, he's already missing about an inch of marbles. That time... It's passing away a week at a time. So, parents, I ask you this morning in presenting your child to the Lord, do you promise in dependence on God's grace and with full partnership of Christ's church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith, to set a Christian example before your child, to bring your child up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, and to lead your child to believe on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And your response is? We do. Members and guests of First Baptist, Jewish members and guests of First Baptist promise to join these mothers and fathers in raising their children to be godly men and women so that in due time, these children will believe on Jesus as their Lord and Savior and will profess him before men and be baptized. If you agree to covenant with these families, please let it be known by saying amen. Each one of these moms and dads uh, have been thinking hard about this moment. They don't just show up this morning, it's all right. (laughs) We've all done this. (laughs) We're all thinking, thank Jesus, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute right now at three in the morning. Oh, my word. Don't worry about it. Um, We've been asking, we don't just ask the families to come this morning and do something. Laura works with the family some, talks about what this moment means and what it means to parent your child. And we've asked each one of these couples to write their hopes and dreams for these precious babies, these children, what they want for them when they're 18 years old. And with that in mind, as we pray in just a moment, we ask each one of the fathers here to place their hand on their child's forehead And mom and dad pray their own blessing on the child. And I'm also asking one of our deacons to stand, if they would come at this time, deacons. One of our deacons to stand behind each one of these families and place their hands, one hand on the mother, one hand on the father, laying on hands as representatives of the church. These deacons have met the qualifications to be deacons. They are our representatives that we have voted for them to be deacons representing us. As they stand behind with their hand on these families, they are <clears throat> excuse me, they are us laying our hands on their shoulders. As we pray, let's all join our hearts and minds in thinking about these children and pray a blessing upon them and upon these families. Let us pray together. Our Father, Lord, these hands of these children are so trusting and so innocent, and yet they'll grow up in a world that has been tainted by hatred, greed, sin, and darkness. Father, protect our children as we give them to you. The future seems so uncertain, and yet we look at these children and we feel hope. We know that you'll guide their feet, that you'll make their path straight, that you'll give them strength. As people who love our children so much, Lord, please anoint us with an overwhelming peace that you have this, that you love our children more than we do, and you want even more goodness for them than we could ever want for them ourselves. Father, be strongly present in their lives. When they are lonely, remind them that you are the God who is present. When they are sick, remind them that you are the Lord who heals. When they feel defeated, remind them that you are the Lord, our victory. If they're ever needy, or they're ever poor, we pray, Lord, that you remind them that you are our provider. If they ever feel lost, hopeless, or without purpose, remind them that you are the Lord, our shepherd. We give these little lambs, Lord, our children to you. And Father, there are so many things these parents want for their children. Please honor their godly requests. Teach the children to pray to you. Teach teach them to believe in you as their savior and to stand firm in that belief regardless what winds might blow. Teach them how to be godly men and women who live the fruits of the Spirit in their lives. Father, even now, be preparing their future husband or wife. Train them to be godly and ready when the time comes for them to meet. And Lord, if you've chosen one of these children of yours to not marry, but to be dedicated to spread the glory of the Lord, give them the strength and the assurance to take that path. Father, help the children to know their parents as a source to come to for wisdom and counsel. Make the children understand that it is truth when the parent whispers into their ears, I will always love you. And one last request, Lord, is to help us all to understand it is truth when you whisper into our ears, I will always love you. Thank you for your powerful and kind assurance. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. My name is Ava Dunlap, and I'm eight years old. I'm in the second grade, and I go to Wills Elementary. My mom was hooking me in at night, and I had just had a really bad sinning day, so I asked God if He would come and save me, and He said yes, so that's the day that I opened my heart up to Him, and He came and saved me. I want to be baptized because I want to show people that I have opened my heart to God. My favorite battle verse is John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he was one and only son, whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I like to thank Miss Laura for helping me on Sundays, and Miss Felicia and my mom. Ava Dunlap. In obedience to the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I do baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm Madison Gordon. I'm 11 years old. I'm in fifth grade, and I go to Gray Elementary I am a sinner, Jesus is the only way, and I ask him to forgive my sins, to show that I am saved. Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I want to thank my family and my WANA leaders for helping me learn about you. Madison Gordon, in obedience to the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I do baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Yes. there you go, darling. get right there. All right, Megan. Megan Gordon, I'm 11-year-old, so I'm in fifth grade, and I go to grad elementary school. I became to know Jesus by letting people tell me about him, and then I wanted to know if he would save me, so I asked him. I gave my sins, and said yes. I want to get baptized so I can show that I'm a Christian. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I would like to thank my family and my church leaders for helping me learn about Jesus. Megan Gordon In obedience to the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ and upon your profession of faith in him I do baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My name is Caitlin Gordon. I'm 13 years old, and I'm in 7th grade at Gray Station Middle School. I've came to know Jesus through very many people, and I've known him for a very long time now. But just recently, I've understood the true meaning of coming to church, to the cross, and believing in Jesus, accepting him as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized because I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior and that he has forgiven me of all my sins. My favorite Bible verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'd like to thank my family, friends, youth group, Sunday school teachers, and Pastor Randy for teaching me about Jesus. Caitlin Gordon, in obedience to the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ and upon your profession of faith in him, I do baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 11. Isaiah 40, 6 through 11. Scripture says to us A voice cries, a voice says, Cry, and I shall, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. And his recompense before him, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. You're going to notice people as they get up and walk over this morning. You can see what time it is already. Eighteen years, 18 minutes. Every time somebody gets up and walks over to the little area over here, there's little 18 marbles It represents a year of the child's life. It's how long we have. It's how long we have. I remember when Renee started having Anna. I remember that very vividly. We had just moved from Sandersville to Forsyth. We hadn't sold the house in Sandersville yet. I had to go back ever so often and cut the grass and just do routine maintenance while we were trying to sell the house. And this one day, I drove down, I left to go to Sandersville. This, we did not have cell phones. I hate it for you people that, that are like 8, 9, 10 years old, they have not always had cell phones. And we didn't have a cell phone. This was back in the dark ages where we used two tin cans and a piece of string to talk to each other. I went down to Renee's mother's house to pick up something on my way down to Sandersville. While I was there, the phone rang. The call was, it's time, to get back up here. Had I missed that call, Renee would have gone to the hospital by herself and I would have been in Sandersville, but God was gracious. I got the call. The next 24 hours were like a blur to me, and then there was Anna. And at that moment, without my thinking about it or really being cognizant of the idea at all, the clock started ticking. started ticking. I had 157,680 hours Until Anna turned 18, we would feed her 19, this is why you're broke, people. Feed her 19,224 meals over the course of 6,570 days, covering 216 months. I would have 18 Easters, 18 Christmases, 18 Fourth of Julys. We would have 14 first days of school. We would attend five different, that's a birthday, Five different schools together, four years of high school, two junior-senior proms, one final graduation, and then ready or not, world, here comes Anna, or as every daddy has thought in here, there goes my girl. It's the same with all of our children. Stats are a little bit different with each one of us. You know, if your child started pre-K at two years old, you get to have 14 what is it No, 16, 14, 14, 15, 16 first days of school. Yeah, I can get this right. 16 first days of school. If you moved while your child was in school, Anna started school in Upson County before we moved to Jones County. She went to five different school buildings. Other kids of ours just went to four, but the point remains the same. The days that we have are all the days that we have doesn't matter what you have, boy or girl, the days that we have are the days that you have. 18 years is 18 years, and there's nothing we can do about it. The clock ticks at the same speed, and time passes by. We can worry about it all and get ourselves all upset, but Jesus says to us, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? There's nothing you can do about it. As the great philosopher, many-studied philosopher Steve Miller once said, Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. All flesh is like grass, and its beauty like the flower of the field. Those kids of ours are born, and I don't care what you get, boys or girls, and the parents' eyes, that child is the most beautiful, most precious, most wonderful creation in the whole world. When I read this scripture, I think of a field that's full of grass and the grass is waving in the breeze and there's wildflowers around. It's just a beautiful, beautiful view. And when you think about when your child, this is a birthday, when your child was born, when your child was born, think about what did that child look like to you? Was that not the most beautiful child that you had ever laid your eyes on? And you know, it doesn't matter how you were born into that family either. Maybe you were born into that family by adoption. I have some friends that live in Bonaire. He posted on Facebook, the father posted this on Facebook the other day. He said, Probably will never win a Masters Green Jacket, probably will never win a World Series. I've attended two national title games and felt the thrill of my team winning. I've gotten awards at work for a job well done. All of those, he's an adoptive dad now, all of those are nothing compared to when my little girl hugs me and tells me that I am a good daddy and that she loves me. Yeah, don't get better, does it? The first reality is simple. All flesh is like grass, and it's beauty like the flower of the field. The second and third realities of these, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. The second reality is very simple. We have a very limited amount of time. Just a second ago, it was 18 minutes. Now we're down to 11 and a half. Very, very limited amount of time to teach our children how to live in this life. And the third reality is what we teach them. What do we need to teach them? We need to teach them that the word of our God will stand forever. We need to teach them the fear and the respect of God. In fact, in this scripture, the prophet says, Go to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah behold your God this is a message of hope and strength to us it's a message of hope and strength to families to parents our message to our children for the short brief 18 years that we get with them with our time that we get with them as grandchildren and our great-grandchildren our message to them is behold your God behold your God Our message has to be from the day of their birth, behold your God. Of all the messages that you're going to preach to them, of all the things that you're going to teach your child, this is the singular most important message you're ever going to share. It's more important than how you feed yourself, how to clothe yourself. It's more important than how to throw a ball or to pick out a pretty dress. It's more important than learning how to drive. It's more important than learning the birds and the bees because all of those things depend on that one statement, behold your God. Everything is built on that. Why is this important? Verse 10, behold, the Lord your God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Why is this important? Because he's won the battle already. It's a birthday. He owns it all. He has conquered everything that there is to conquer. He's conquered sin, death, everything in between. In him, listen, listen, in him rests all wisdom. Not some part, maybe, uh uh-uh. In him rests all wisdom in all power there is no foe that can stand against him he has conquered sin he has conquered death everything in between he has conquered everything there is to conquer there is no problem that he has not seen There is no problem that he doesn't know the answer to. There is no place in time, there is no place in history, now or in the future, that will ever stump him for an answer. Listen, I know how your minds operate. I'm a dad. I've got three that have graduated. I understand that what you're prepping them for all through their lives and their school, get them into the best school, get them the best place they can go, get them to these teachers, get them so they can get an education, get them so that they can learn something after they graduate. We're doing all of this, but listen, all of these teachers that you trust All of the wisdom these teachers that you trust your princess with, all of the wisdom these professors that you trust your little prince with, none of their wisdom can guarantee them life success. Only one wisdom guarantees life success. Now, Randy, that sounds like a bunch of religious fluff to me. Let me ask you a question. When your children are faced with a problem... And they all will be faced with a problem, right? Anybody in here had a problem-free life? I want to meet you because I need to know how that works. Everybody has a problem, right? Your child's going to have a problem. Who do you want them to turn to? They were twins. It's a birthday. Who do you want them to turn to? Who do you want them to turn to? Someone that can give them, here's the best I have to offer to you. And when we get through talking, you know, we're going to hope that this all works out. And we're just going to see where everything goes. Or do you want them to turn to somebody who promises that that child can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who can do all things. That nothing else on the face of this planet can separate my child from me. Nothing can separate my child from the love of Christ. Nothing, so that when you are dead and gone and you are nothing more than dust in the bottom of a box somewhere, your child will have a place to turn for truth. You're not going to be here always. You're not. It takes courage to get old, right? Things start falling off when you turn 50. Or at least they have for me. And I have a feeling that at some point they all fall off. Who do you want your child to turn to? It's a birthday. Who do you want your child to turn to? These are not religious platitudes. These are the promises of the Almighty God, the one who's won the battle. The one who cannot be defeated. The one who knows all wisdom, both from the past and through all eternity. His knowledge knows no fad. You, know, you want to know one of the things that gets under my skin so bad I can't stand myself? And I think some of the teachers here will agree with me, is the educational fads that we go through. Somebody up somewhere has some great idea that this is going to revolutionize the world. When I went to school, we took Algebra 1, we took Pre-Algebra algebra 1, Algebra 2, Trig, and then some people took calculus. Others of us looked at it and went, ha! and went in the other direction. But that's the way it worked. And then we had the, the thing where we did math one, math two, math three, math four. And now we've gone to a place, at least the last time I heard, where there's sort of this, this mixture of all of this stuff. God doesn't do fads. He doesn't do fads. He doesn't need to do fads. He's not influenced by what the latest thing is. Our God comes with might. He comes with power. He rules with wisdom and mercy. People people who will one day will wither and fade... People right now, people who one day will wither and fade are saying right this minute that our God is out of touch with our 21st century reality. And you know what? I'm not so sure. I read Psalm 119 and I hear the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. There is no time that God is out of touch. Now why is this important? Let me ask you this question. We ask each of our baby D parents today to write down a, on a piece of paper what their hopes and dreams are when their child reaches 18 years old. And we asked them when they were standing up here to pray those hopes and dreams over their children. What are your hopes and dreams for your children? When the clock stops ticking, what are your hopes and dreams for your children? Well, I've raised my children already. Well, you've got grandkids and you've got great-grandkids, what are your hopes and dreams for your grandkids and for your great-grandkids? I struggled with an illustration here, because the easiest illustration to go to is this one. On the one hand, I want to paint the picture of the wayward child, you know? Pregnant before her time, intoxicated, in trouble with the police, him a meth user looks like a meth user every parent's nightmare that's the easy illustration to go to but to me there's an equally heinous nightmare and yet a nightmare that we embrace that we hold tight we embrace our hope, our dream is for a wildly successful child who does well in school, who ends up with a wildly successful career full of prestige, full of power, full of influence, full of money with a beautiful wife or a handsome husband and a couple of precious grandkids that I can spoil absolutely rotten and then send home so the parents have to deal, up, deal with the sugar high right before bedtime. That's what I want to be able to do. In the first illustration, it's easy to be repulsed. I don't want my kid on drugs. I don't want my kid pregnant before time. I don't want my child to go down that road and to be involved with police for the rest of their lives. I don't want that. But on the other, the successful life, if it is lived by sacrificing their relationship with God, it ends in exactly the same place as that drug-addicted child On the surface it's more respectable and everybody walks around and goes, Oh, how wonderful your children are. But if your children who are wonderful are walking apart from God and don't have God God to stand on, they are as ugly underneath as a year-long user of meth. They are headed in the same place. It leads to the ultimate, the same ultimate destination. So what do you do as a parent? You stand on the housetop of your house and you shout out, Behold your God. By repeating God's virtues to your child over and over and over again. And ingraining in your child a love for the Lord. You notice how big they're getting when they're walking down now. You notice that? Time has run out. By repeating God's virtues to your child over and over again and ingraining in your child a love for the Lord and his ways, you take your child and help them know to turn to the one who will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with youth. What does that mean? That he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Let's go back to that image. Probably talked about it at some point in your past. The image of a shepherd. The shepherd gets up early in the morning. He leads his sheep from their pen where they were safe all night long. Leads them from the pen to a place where there's plenty to eat. He lets them eat until they're full. And then about midday, he leads them down to still waters. Remember that from Psalm 23? He leads them beside still waters. You know why at still waters sheep get scared real easily. How is that different from us? We get scared real easily. Sheep get scared easily. He leads them beside water that don't don't scare them. He lets them drink until they get refreshed. In the evening, he brings them back to the pen. And when he brings them back to the pen, he holds his rod over the gate of the pen because he's math-challenged like I am. And so he has to count one at a time. If two go in at once, he's in trouble. So he's got the rod so he can focus and see what comes under him. And he counts as they go through. And as each one of them go through, when he gets to the end, if one of them's missing, he gets everybody so they're safe. And then he goes out and looks until he finds that lost one. I didn't know that until I was studying this. Sheep do not have a homing instinct. I think Coleman is it. Coleman graduates this year. Clock's gone. Time's up, Kim. I thought I'd make you feel good. I got some tissue up here. It's a couple of weeks, right? Five weeks? Five weeks. Five weeks. It's 20, 20, let's see, five times seven is what, guys? 30, 35? Is that how that works? Seven times five is 35. Yeah, that's how that works. 35 days. yeah. <laughs> If you go on Facebook, you can see Coleman and his date dressed up in the red and white for a uh, prom. They looked dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Five, is that what said? Five weeks. Boom. And then he's going where? ABAC, which is in Tifton, which is how far from here? Michael, is that where you went to college? You went where? where? You went to, Okay. Oh, yeah, you went to Barry. That's right. You went up north. And you're going south. And how far is it away? About two hours. Two hours. Don't sound like far. If Coleman calls up one night and he says, Mama, God forbid, Mama, I've just had a wreck. Two hours. Not ten minutes. Two hours. Clock stops ticking. That's the time that we get go back to the shepherd again sheep see the way i was going to end the sermon the way i was going to end the sermon is when the clock stopped ticking i was just going to stop preaching so that you could get the idea that when it's over it's over you know it's done see you later bye but i love the ending so good i couldn't stop because i want you to hear this i think it's so cool Sheep do not have a sense of direction like your dog and cat does. You know, a dog and cat can get separated from you, and and a lot of times they can find their way home. You know, you read these stories. The the dog got left in California, and they lived in Massachusetts, and and one day the dog shows up. That will never happen with a sheep. Sheep don't have, the sheep just do not have that sense of direction. The only thing that sheep do very, very well Is they can recognize the voice of the one that is their shepherd. That's the only thing they do well. But they have incredible oral discernment that if two shepherds stood up at the same time and shouted, whatever you shout, you don't do suey for sheep, do you? Whatever you shout for, hey, sheep! If two of you shouted at exactly the same time, your sheep would come to you and their sheep would go to them. The only thing we can do good is hear our master's voice. The sheep will gather the lamb in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. I have to confess to y'all, I'm not sure that Renee knows this and, and doing this in front of a group of people helps me when I get home. I have a girlfriend. I do. I have a girlfriend. She's a little bit younger than I am by about 15 years. She's a lot shorter than I am. I get to see her a couple of times a week, but every time I get to see her, she comes running up and she gives me the biggest hug in the whole wide world, and I hug that child back just as hard as I can for somebody of her size because I want her to understand That her pastor loves her, and I want her to understand that the God her pastor represents loves her that much too. But I know that her daddy hugs her tighter. And I know that when he hugs her, that he wants so much for her to understand how much he loves her and how much he's going to protect her and how much the God he loves loves her even more than him. And I've watched that mama hug her, that when she gathers her in her arms, she wants that little girl to know how much she loves her and that she has a father in heaven that loves her even more than her mama does. When we gather our little lambs in our arms, our children in our arms, we are emulating our great shepherd because he draws us close, comforting and loving each and every one of them, making them all feel safe and secured. There's a little technical thing we have to throw out here because we have a misconception about something. We think about carrying something in someone's bosom as we pull them very close to our chest, you know. We have that kind of idea, but that's not what it means with a shepherd. The shepherd's clothing has a fold on the inside of it, the way they do their robe thing, you know. And they've got a fold that fits right here that works like a pocket. And when a baby sheep, when a, when a, when a, when a mama sheep has a baby, for the first four or five days, that sheep can't really... Make it on its own. Can't walk on its own enough to get anywhere. So the shepherd picks that baby sheep up who is helpless, who doesn't have enough to live on its own. And he puts him in the fold of his garment so that it sits right there, right next to his heart. That's what it means that our shepherd pulls us close to his bosom and he gently leads those that are with young. This whole image here, when a mama has a baby, he gently leads the mama. He knows that she's not strong yet. She knows that, He knows that she can't keep up. All of us that have something in our lives that, are we, that, that causes us to feel weak or like we can't quite keep up, that's not a problem with God. He is there as our shepherd bringing us through taking us through life's traumas. He tends to us when we're hurt. And he seeks us out when we celebrate life so much that we get ourselves lost. But in all this poetry, we see one thing. We see a shepherd who cares for his flock, who knows his flock by name, who leads them through their lives' traumas, who tends to them. We see a shepherd that always defeats anything that attacks his flock. We see a shepherd who always knows the right answer. We see a shepherd who would die before he would let a single one of his sheep be lost. We see a shepherd who died to bring his lost sheep back marbles all over the place marbles and bowls not a single child that stood up here this morning (coughs) excuse me not a single child that stood up here this morning had its full complement of 938 marbles not a single one of them because the minute they were born the clock started ticking if your child or your grandchild little enters middle school this year you would have 315 marbles in your jar If your child or your grandchild enters high school this year, you have 159 marbles in your jar. If they're a senior in high school, they have 52 marbles in their jar. Kim and Michael Heiss have five marbles in their jar, more or less. It's time right now for you to turn from whatever you think is the most important thing in the world, and you go up a high mountain and lift up your voice with strength, just like that, and you say to the cities, you say to your children, behold your God, because the clock is ticking and it doesn't wait on anybody. Let us pray. Our Father and our God. Lord, I pray. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever done this before, Lord, but I pray a vexation on the the congregation. Lord, I pray as, as the parents and grandparents of children stand before their kid to teach them something Take them somewhere. I pray, Lord, in this week when they are absolutely so crazy because they are doing so much with so many people that you would scream in their head, How important is this? How important is this? Have you said, Behold your God? And I pray, Lord, that some parents would have the courage to stand back a little bit and maybe slow a few things down so that they could make room for the most important thing that there is to be in life, and that is for that child to know where their wisdom and salvation will come from. Please, Father, you tell us in your word that you're behind us telling us this is the way to go. Shout it out so that we can hear. Help us to hear your voice. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You heard the testimony of four beautiful young ladies this morning, each one of them saying what was an important scripture to them, and several of them said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Our shepherd died for us because we were lost so we would not stay lost. Excuse me. And this morning, I invite you, if you have uh, trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you've not made a public profession of that, I invite you to come forward, to be, stand before everybody and tell everybody that Jesus is your Lord, to be baptized. If you want to join the church, you can. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you can do that. You can stay in your seat and pray. Think about, for the next few minutes, what it is that you're doing. How am I raising my children? What am I saying to my grandchild?